You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. You know, it's interesting. I This morning I was reading... In Matthew 4, and um, just if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to Matthew 4 um, right now. I will too. And in Matthew 4, it's telling the story of Jesus um, being tempted in the wilderness. And Jesus gets baptized. His, his ministry hasn't really begun yet. And uh, he meets up with John the Baptist, who's baptizing people in the Jordan, and, and uh, he gets baptized, and, and the Holy Spirit descended on him, the Bible says, like a dove. And God spoke, saying that this is his beloved son in whom he's well pleased. And then the Bible says here in Matthew 4 that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. You know, what's interesting about this is that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. You know, sometimes we have wilderness experiences in our life. Sometimes we have hardships and things that come into our life that sometimes don't always make sense. And it was occurring to me this morning that sometimes God will lead us into situations that are uncomfortable. Sometimes God will lead us into wilderness-type situations to develop us, to grow us, and to help us become who he's calling us to be and to, to learn how to depend on him and not our own natural faculties that we're so accustomed to relying on and depending on. Um, and in this situation, it says that he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. It says that he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God... Command these stones to become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You know, what's interesting about this account is the devil tempts him right at the root of his identity. You'll notice how, how the enemy phrases it. He says, If you are the Son of God as though to put it into question. You know, sometimes we'll walk through wilderness-type experiences and we'll begin to doubt our identity. The enemy be, will begin to speak and chip in your ear and say things like, if you were really a Christian, you wouldn't have done or said that. If you were really a child of God, you'd be at church more often than you are. If you were really a child of God, you'd be serving more than you are. You know, so often our identities as people seems to get wrapped up in what we do and what we have and what other people think about us. And what we do and what we have and what other people think about us. Just think about the things in your own life for a second. 
the things, your own motivations, the decisions that you've made, and how many decisions we make on a regular basis that are rooted in, in doing something, to have something, or to do something to please somebody else, whether it be family, whether it be um, the Joneses next door, you know, having to buy the bigger camper than your neighbor just because yours is just that little bit bigger, whatever it is. You know, it's, our identity is an important thing. It's who we are. It's, it's how we view ourselves. It's, it's, it's the way in which we interact with the world is, is what we believe about ourselves. You know, and the enemy tries really hard to attack our value, our worth, and our identity. And if we're not careful, we can begin to doubt who we are in Christ if, if we don't have a strong, firmly rooted identity in Jesus. But Jesus, he had the fortitude and the knowledge and the wisdom to combat the enemy with the word of God. And for us, it's our weapon as well. That when we are tempted, when we begin to believe falsehoods, lies, and the Bible says that the devil is the father of lies, and that when we begin to hear them or see them and begin to believe them and own those lies, he's got us in the palm of his hand. But Jesus came that we would be free, set free from the kingdom of darkness and would walk in the truth. And we know that who the Son set free is free indeed. And so we must remain to walk in, in freedom. You know, in Galatians, Paul says not to get caught up back into, um, you know, not to fall back into um, being enslaved again. And so he obviously saw that there was this ability for us to get free and then begin to live our life as though we were enslaved and, and, and bonded, not bonded, but um, enslaved again. And sometimes it's because we lash onto a lie that the enemy finds a little seed of insecurity in our heart. And then we begin to believe the lie. And it begins to shape how we feel about ourselves, how we feel about God, how we interact with God. And one way to know if this is true is if you feel overrun by guilt and shame in your life. If your life is overrun by guilt and shame, because we know that the Bible says that there's no guilt or shame in Christ Jesus. What God does bring, however, is conviction. And conviction is not guilt. And conviction is not shame. Conviction is a prompting to pursue righteousness, a prompting to do what is right, a prompting to be who we were called to be, to return to our true identity as sons and daughters of God. And so... When our lives get a little off kilter, remember that we're not meant to walk in guilt and shame, but to rise above it um, and to be overcomers. So here we go. Jesus says, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You know, so often we rely on the natural substance of life. You know, we, we look at the material things. And so much of our life is consumed by the material world. Um, you know, you think about a lot of our, our jobs. You know, there are many people that work jobs for years and years and years that they despise. 
because they need a paycheck. Because perhaps you've set yourself up to live a certain lifestyle, and now you can't afford to do something else. It's a very common thing. We see that in Alberta all the time, don't we? With the booms and the bust. In the good times, we live up to what we make, and then usually plus some. Um, with credit being still available today, and then when it gets stripped away, it's almost like we're enslaved to the job that we previously had. And, and maybe it was even a job that you liked. But there's a difference when you step into a job because you want to be there and you're excited about your career path and, and all of a sudden now you have to be there. And you feel like you're a servant and enslaved to your job. But those are not the things that sustain us in life, is, is, is the material things. But the Word of God is what brings life. The Word of God brings life to us and sustains us, sustains our spiritual well-being. So here in verse 5, the, it didn't work. Here, the devil tries to tempt Jesus and to question his identity as the Son of God. And then he tries again in verse 5. The devil then took him to the holy city, and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, then throw yourself down for it's written that he will command his angels concerning you. And on the other end, their hands, they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to them, on the other hand, it is written, you shall not put your Lord God to the test. You know, I was thinking about this in, in the context of my own life that I've never gone and stood on a high building and jumped off and said, God, if you really love me, you're going to catch me on the way down. But when I was reflecting on, on this passage this morning, I was reminded of ultimatums that I've given to God. Have you ever given God an ultimatum? That God, if you don't do this, I'm out. If you don't step up here, I'm going to give up. There have been times that I have I've quit because God didn't seem to, to step up in the way that I wanted him to. And I got a little bit out of kilter. It's almost like I was demanding and telling God what he needed to do in my life. I don't know if you've ever been there. I've definitely been there. I mean, usually God needs to bring, give me a reality check, and you know, try to remind me who's actually in charge. That's not me. That I'm His servant. That I that I serve God. That I am His. And what's amazing is that when we are communing with God, and when when we are operating in in, in the Holy Spirit, that we can't ask for things and God's hand will move. But when we're operating out of God's heart, when we are, are not self-seeking, when we are, are serving others, when we are serving God's kingdom, when we are aligned with God's will in our life and we call upon him, coincidences just happen every day. It's an amazing thing. You know, it's, I remember when I first came to know Jesus and I began to serve God, it seemed like so often so many things would just fall into place. And it was just like, wow, this way was just paved for me. 
and I'd just walk into it. But then some days, all of a sudden, it would seem like a door gets closed. And then I'd begin to question, well, was that really God then? Well, like, what's going on? And what I began to realize is that sometimes God closes a door. I'm not going to say he opens a window. But you thought I was going to say that, didn't you? Um, for a reason. Sometimes it's maybe you're not ready to step into it. Maybe it's you're doing it for the wrong motivation. But every time there's been a redirect, and I've had many, many redirects, God has always been faithful on the other end, every single time. And usually what's on the other end is better than what I had planned in the first place. And, um, and so it's an amazing thing when we serve God's vision, not our own, what God will do, how far he'll take us, and uh, how we'll see the Holy Spirit work in amazing ways. So here the devil tries one more time. Matthew 4, verse 7, uh, sorry, verse 8, says, Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And, he, and said to him, All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Go, Satan, for it's written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. You know, there are times that we will get weak and weary. Times that it may seem like doors are closing or, t or times that um, there's redirects. And when I was really young and, and, and didn't know Jesus that long, I used to feel that if it was God's way, it would be easy. And that's not necessarily true. Usually the most meaningful things in life are quite difficult. If we want to live a life where we're always riding downhill on a bicycle, the bottom is going to be very treacherous. You know, every, Rhea really likes to go for bike rides. We got these two uh, bikes. I actually drive a woman's bike right now. So if you ever see me, give me a wave. I have a, it's a, it's a red uh, bike. It has a big basket in the front. And um, there's, we have two girls' bikes, but one looks a little less like a girl's bike. But the way the kid's seat fits on it, I can't ride it comfortably. So Rhea rides that, and I ride hers. Um, but I've gotten over it. The first couple times, I really felt a little defeated riding it. Like, I hope nobody sees me that I know riding this bicycle. And then I snapped out of it pretty quickly. I'm like, my goodness, I'm an adult, and I'm still worried about someone seeing me on a girl's bike. Like, what's going on? It's like, I remember my first bicycle that I was given was my sister's handy-down bicycle, and it had, it was like one of those kind of seats with a big seat, and it had like tassels hanging off the back, and it had tassels off the handles, and it had a strawberry seat, and it had pink handlebars. I remember that was the bike that I learned to ride, ride on. I remember just thinking like, as a kid, just like so embarrassed that I'm riding this girl's bike. But funny enough, even as an adult, those like feelings kind of trickle in sometimes, eh? Isn't it weird? Do you think you're past it? Sometimes it's still a shadow, a shadow of those things that remains. But um, where was I going now? Value, worth, and identity. Yeah, rabbit hole.
you know, I really believe that God is, is doing a new thing this summer. Um, something unique. I've had a few really cool conversations with some members of our, of our church congregation about what God is doing in their life. And God is doing some profound things right now. He's shaping people. He's, um, he's giving people hope in situations that they felt maybe a little hopeless. He's giving them visions for the future that maybe they never thought that they would have. And I see that God is doing something really unique. You know, about a month ago, uh, Jonathan McCormick stood up and he shared a bit about this 30-day challenge. I don't know how many of you took that to heart or requested those text messages, but he's been sending out every day a little message and encouraging people to commit one hour a day to God, to reading his word, to, to engaging with God, to spending time in prayer. And it's been really, really good. It's been really, really challenging um, to people. And I think it's really going to transform people if they keep that same mentality, that same drive for the 30-day challenge um, into maybe another 30-day challenge or, or some other challenge that becomes part of their, their everyday life. But, um, you know, it's, it's a conditioning. It's, 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 it takes intention in our life to get good and to, to, to really be competent at something, you know. Um, like even prayer. I don't know if you've been around somebody who just when they pray, it's like you feel like God is praying over you. That some people that have the heart of an intercessor, people that spend time in the presence of God, there's nothing like spending time praying with them. Because you get transformed in the process of praying with other people and, and learning. You know, sometimes I want to get back to kind of the wilderness thing. That this is where I wanted to go. Um, that sometimes God sends us into a wilderness season intentionally, but not every wilderness experience that we have is God leading us into it, um, as though it's God's perfect will for our life. Um, sometimes we find ourselves in situations because we make poor choices. I don't know if you've ever had situations that you, in your life that you wish you could have a redo. When you think back on your, on your past and you think, if I could do anything over again, I would do this again, that's probably a situation that possibly maybe you went out on your own and decided to, uh, to not heed good advice. Perhaps you didn't heed godly counsel. Perhaps you um, threw caution to the wind and I bit you in the butt. You know, in Proverbs 4, verse 4, it says, Let your heart hold fast to my words. Keep my commandments and live. Acquire wisdom. Acquire understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. There's blessing when we live our life in accordance to the word of God. When we live a life by God's design when we walk in obedience to the word of God. Proverbs 4, 4, verse 13 says, Take hold of instruction and do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked. Do not proceed in the way of evil men, but avoid it. 
Do not pass by it. Turn away from it and pass on. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know over why they stumble. When you walk in darkness and you turn away from the light, your eyes can become accustomed to the darkness. And you get to the place where you don't even see that it's wrong anymore. Sometimes you'll, you'll hear phrases like a seared conscience. That's kind of what it is. When you give yourself over to the things of the enemy and you decide, you know what? Life looks funner over there or I just don't have what it takes to serve God, and you choose to intentionally walk in sin and walk in darkness. You know, it's interesting. I remember when I reflect back on my own life and I think back on before I knew God and before I'd met Jesus, if you'd asked me the day before, I would have told you I wasn't walking in darkness. But once I met Jesus and began to walk in the light, I had no idea how dark my life actually was. Because I was accustomed to it. I was born into it. It was all that I knew. To me, the darkness was normal. Sometimes I just have, you know, I'd make the best of the darkness sometimes, but it was still dark. I was not serving God. I was still serving the prince of the air. I was serving the kingdom of darkness with my life. I was not pursuing righteousness. My thoughts were not righteous. The desires of my heart were not to love God. For I had no care for God. As Christians, we need to be careful to guard our heart when we go into situations and wilderness situations, especially if it's something that we've walked into willingly knowing that we shouldn't be there. Um, you know, it says, keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them. This is God's word. It says, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and health to all the body. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow springs of life. We need life, church, don't we? We need life. And for many of us, we're not it's as though we're not maybe experiencing it to, to the level that we maybe should be or, or desire to be. And I think sometimes it's good to reflect on our life and say, okay, God, have I surrendered my life to you? Or have I just started going through the motions? I started going through the motions and now I've lost sight of where I'm going and where I'm at. You see, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew 5 in the Beatitudes. Um, Matthew 5, verses 14. It says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket 
but put it on a lampstand that gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You know, Jesus, when he calls people to follow him, he says that he will make, he told his first disciples who were fishermen that he will make them fishers of men. I thought about that this morning as I was looking out my window and watching my neighbor prepare his boat and get in his, in his SUV and drive away thinking, man, I'd love to be in that passenger seat right now. And then I remembered that God called me to be a fisher of men. I'm a part-time fisherman of fish, and a full-time fisherman of men. And letting our light shine, letting our light shine means that it impacts the world around us. You know, when we get saved and we, we have the Holy Spirit within us, you know, Jesus said, Jesus is the light of the world, but he also calls us the light of the world, a city on a hill that should not be hidden. And we need to let our light shine. And, I th and sometimes I wonder if because of our life choices or the wilderness season that we find ourselves in, that we've let our light diminish a little bit. Maybe we're losing fuel. Maybe we need to, to be filled up again. Maybe we're, we're a little bit running on empty. It's horrible to run on empty. I don't know if any of you have ever driven somewhere and ran out of gas. I know some of you have because you've called me and I've brought you a jerry can. But um, I'm not talking about you. Um, but it's a horrible thing to run out of gas because you often do damage to your vehicle that's unintended. Far worse than just running out of gas. Sometimes you might lose a water pump or, I don't know, I'm not a, really a car guy. Some of you guys know a lot more about this than me. But it's not a good thing. And, you know, the Bible says that we are to be filled with the Spirit. Not drunk with wine, but filled with the Spirit. And the language there is this a continual filling. It's not just a one-time doodad where you fill up your car once and it's like, woohoo, I got unlimited gas for life. We do, but 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 the way that that the scripture is talking about it, it's like a daily filling. It's like drinking and eating. It's like every day we drink water. We need it to sustain us. We need God to sustain us. And He is living water. And living water is flowing water, which means it's not a lake, it's not a pond, it's like a river. And flowing, the problem with flowing water is that it moves. And as that water moves, something needs to replenish it. And so as we pour out our lives, we get filled back up again by God. And it sustains us as we are connected and communing with God on a regular basis and living within his will. You know, this morning, First Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, just I couldn't get out of my mind, that rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. Whether you're in a dry season or you're in an abundant season, the Bible says it's God's perfect will for us that we would be thankful that we would rejoice, that we would pray without ceasing, that we would remain in communion with God every day, and that he would be our life source.
you know, I believe that God is doing something unique. That there's a remnant, a, a group, a people who are hungry for more than what they're currently experiencing. And they're willing to engage and do something about it. They're willing to get on their knees and pray. They're willing to get into their word and seek God. And um, it's an amazing thing when we do what God can do in our life. And I know some of you in this room, God is doing some amazing things right now. And I just wanted to kind of open the floor for a minute. And I'm just going to invite Jonathan to come up and share a little bit about his 30-day challenge and share a little bit about... um, about how it's been working in their household and, and in their family and um, and uh, and yeah, Jonathan. Thank you. So, thirty day challenge. I'll be the first one to admit I was not successful at the thirty day challenge. One hour a day is incredibly difficult to maintain. With that, I declare I did not fail in this challenge. Why? Because the intent was to develop relationship with Jesus, with the Father, with the Holy Spirit, recognize His presence, and with that, I was successful. However, I will admit I did not do my one hour. One, else, one thing else I did recognize in this 30-day challenge is my wife is a better person than I am. Can I hear an amen on that? God blesses men with good women and thank Him for that. Um, I know she's better than me because she's more devout, more capable, a better prayer, and people feel much more comfortable talking to her than to me. I know this because they text her the testimonies, not me. It's kind of funny. She's like, oh, did you hear about this person? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no. Did you hear about, oh, this guy in Ontario, they're doing, I'm like, no, didn't know that either. That's fantastic. How does this happen? But right away, the same day it was announced, people were contacting me saying, I wasn't there that day. I wasn't at church, but I heard about it. Can you add my name? And of the names that were added, I assume some of them are families. And I have heard that the numbers um, or the texts were being sent off to other people as well. Now, some of the testimonies that come from it, it's interesting because I was out back once. My wife called me and we had somebody, she had somebody in the garage. She's like, oh, we have an opportunity to pray for them. So come, come over here, Jonathan. And we went there and something happened And it happened because we started yelling. And so all it was was a simple prayer, really simple, like super simple. And yet it wasn't being heard. If you can know that sense, you mentioned sometimes people pray, and you're like, oh, that's God right there. That is something special. And it was the most simple prayer, and yet it wasn't actually being heard or getting through. So we just started saying it louder and louder. It's like when you're singing here. There's a good song, and you're singing along, and then you realize you're actually just mouthing the words. So then you start singing, and then you realize you're singing so quiet, you wonder if anybody could actually hear you anyways. And then you hear somebody across the church. You know how you can cry, and you can ugly cry? And now sometimes you can sing, and you can just ugly sing. There's somebody in the church who is bellowing out the praises and worship, and you're like, for myself, I'm always, I wish... I could be that person, but I have so much um, held back that I cannot release myself like that person can. So there in our garage, we raised it, and we raised it, and we raised it, and you know the yell when you're like, 
obviously aware, people are listening kind of yell. Then the next level of yell was just, I'm talking to somebody in the next county. I'm talking to the entire supernatural around this property, and they all hear it. And so that was a breakthrough, and we enjoyed it. I encourage you to try it, even if it's at home with your family, around the kitchen table. Just start bellowing at each other without food in your mouth. Um, with that, a testimony was my wife, right? So she was texting a friend, and that friend couldn't get out of their vehicle. They had such a pain in their back, they could not get out of their vehicle. And so my wife said, well, let me, you know, let me, I'll pray for you. And the woman was like, yeah, yeah, great, pray for me. But, you know, they're texting. Yeah, okay, great, thanks, pray. And so then my wife turns to my daughter and says, just pray a second. She said, what do you see? And my daughter pauses. And she says, I see a, an arrow stuck in her back. And my wife had seen an arrow stuck in the woman's back, just in her mind. And so she says, great. Well, that's confirmation to me. Let's pray right now about that arrow stuck in the woman's back. And so she sits there in the vehicle, unbeknownst to the woman my wife was actually praying right then. And the woman, I kid you not, had texted, I can't go to your house. I can't get out of my vehicle. So can you bring whatever it was, whatever purpose she was there, to the vehicle? I can't get out. So the person texts back, kind of like, are, are you sure? Then Rebecca's text says, how are you feeling? We just prayed for you, saw an arrow, pulled it out. And she texts the person back, she said, actually, my back is completely better. I'll be coming up right now. And so within a chronological time frame of minutes, the pain that held her back from actually leaving the vehicle, she couldn't twist to get out of her vehicle. Sitting there, all she did was text. I can't go up, I can't move, my back is too bad. Hey, Rebecca, yeah, I don't mind if you pray. Yeah, actually, my back is all better now. I'm going to go up to your house right now. And so my wife was blown away at the expediency of that because there is something about devoting some time to the Lord, cutting out some of your um, preferences, your vices, your entertainment, whatever, even your food. For myself, it's food. If I cut out food, I automatically start to hear and see things differently. And it's a really unique experience for myself. So I've learned a lot through the 30-day challenge. I've learned I can't pray an hour a day for 30 days. Um, I've learned God loves me anyways, right? I've learned that, that sin is not something that God sees of me. He sees me and he always loves me. He hates sin. Why? Because sin is something that allows a separation through my own eyes between me and God. Now, God's love is always there. His salvation is always there. But that sin separates me because I am then looking through sin towards God, and God hates sin because it comes between my understanding of his love and, and, and who I am in him. So with that, we had, we've had, I think, 28 days. Today's the 28th day. We've got two more. Um, it has been remarkable. It has been a good time. We do want to continue to pray a little bit more um, than we usually do, and I shouldn't say a little bit more, more often. I don't think I'm a, I'm a one-hour-a-day kind of guy because there's a lot of people who are actually texting me saying, can I pray for an hour spread throughout the day? And I've heard some great people of God saying, I rarely pray more than five minutes, 
but I rarely go more than five minutes without praying. So with that, it, an hour a day is difficult. It's almost unsustainable on some schedules. With that being, we'll pray more often. We will probably not go for one hour straight. But with that, we will walk with what we've learned in it. And it's been really amazing for us. Uh, and of course, my wife has all the testimonies from people who enjoyed it as well. So that being said, I came up here and I didn't bless the church. I really want to. Lord, Heavenly Father, we bless these people in Jesus' name. I ask you keep them. I ask you shine your light upon them, Lord God. I ask you to open their eyes in Jesus' name. I ask you open their ears in Jesus' name. And for those of you, listen to the next line. If you're interested, receive it. Lord, Heavenly Father, I ask that you rock the foundation of complacency for these people in Jesus' name. Amen. That's good. Thank you, Jonathan. There's lots of ways you can do it. I liked that, that I, I pray every five minutes and then I don't, I pray for five minutes, but don't go longer than five minutes without praying. You know, I know for me, I find I'm kind of somebody that is hard for a straight hour too. And there's something that, I, that I've been doing is trying to split it up into like um, 15 minute blocks. Because I know I can do 15 minutes of almost anything. I can hold my hands above my head with a, for 15 minutes probably. And, but what's interesting about that is like there's different ways that you, that you can find to connect with God. I know something that Rhea and I have been practicing the last maybe six months is, is starting off our, our devotional time with two minutes of silence followed by reading some scripture that we then meditate on, think about, process, and we finish with two minutes of silence. So sometimes it only takes like five or ten minutes. Um, but there's something for me that I need silence. Some people in the room might need Christian music playing in the background all the time when they're praying and, and they like that. Some people, when you're studying, if you have to think really intently, you've got headphones in your ears and you're listening to music, I can't do that. If maybe music without words, but if there's words in the music, I'm like bopping to it and singing along. But experiment trying different things of different ways of praying um you know find what works for you what works for for julie Ankren is not necessarily going to be the same exact replicatable process that you can apply to your life to connect with god in the best way for you and so i like that jonathan thank you for sharing and we encourage you guys to engage with that and to take time every day and be intentional about your prayer life, intentional about seeking after God. Because often what we're not intentional about doesn't end up happening. If it's not on your calendar, if it's not part built in to your daily habits of what you do, likely you'll go without it. Now, for me, you know, like, I rarely will skip a meal, like, forget to skip a meal. I know some people that just forget to eat. I don't like that's one of you guys, that if any of you in here, you're like, you get to like 8 o'clock at night and you realize you haven't eaten anything yet today. I don't understand that <laughs> at all because that is not me. It's like I ate four hours ago. My goodness, it's time to eat again. But that hunger, my prayer today is that that would be like our hunger for God, that we would have an internal clock, that when we have not been communing with God, we begin to get hunger pains that it becomes apparent that we need to get back to the source, the bread of life that sustains us. 
and that we would take that time to pray, to, to, to meditate on, on a word, to, to spend some time in silence, to, to, to have some, some aspects of our devotional life and our, and our spiritual disciplines that we enact on a regular basic, basic way, simple way, but that becomes habit. And when something becomes a habit in your life, it no longer feels like a chore. Like, I don't know about you guys, but do any of you still feel chored by brushing your teeth? For my kids, it's a huge chore. They don't always like to do it. And I wake up in the morning, I grab my toothbrush, and I brush my teeth, and I don't even think about it sometimes. It's built into my you know, into my life. But if I don't do that, everyone else around me notices, I'm sure. Especially if you get up close to pray. I brushed my teeth this morning, by the way. Um, but it's kind of the same when we don't pray, when we are not connected to God, when we are not communing with God. Initially, you may not notice, but people around you probably will. And, um, but my prayer is that we would notice that we would have, get into a rhythm with God, then when we get out of that rhythm, it becomes apparent, and we need God like we need water, like we need our next meal, and that we would not be like Samson, that when the Spirit departed from him, he didn't even notice, but that when we are not communing with God, that we notice, and that we do something to correct it, and it becomes a normal have a sense of our life that we are just communing and living and walking with God by the Spirit every day. So, Father, I just thank you, Lord, for your goodness. God, I thank you for how good you are. God, I thank you, Lord, that our value and our worth, God, is not negotiable. But, Lord, you paid the highest price, the highest price on that cross so that we could know you and commune with you forever. And God, I just pray, Lord, that we would not get wrapped up, not, and not wrap up our identity in, in what we do, in the things that we have, or in fear about what others think about us. But God, that the core of our life, what's most important to us, would be pleasing you. Would be pleasing you. God, I thank you. God, that you are moving in our lives and in our midst. And God, I just pray, Lord, that, that our faith, God, would be more than lip service. But God, that our faith would motivate us, God, to, to action, to enact the word in our life and to be faithful to what you've called us to. And God, that it would motivate, change and transform our motivations and our actions and our thoughts. And God, that we would begin to look more and more like you every day. Hmm. Holy Spirit. God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. God, I just pray, Lord, that we would learn who, who the Holy Spirit is. I know we didn't really talk much about that today, but messages coming in the near future we will be. But God, I just pray, Lord, that you would not be the forgotten part of the Godhead in our life. 
but Lord, that we would live in your spirit and by your spirit. Lord, that we would be directed by your spirit in all things, every day. Hmm. So, Father, I just thank you, Lord. I just pray for this church congregation today, God, those that are here and those that are not, those that are with their families camping or on vacation, wherever they may be, Lord, that you would speak to their heart right now, wherever they are. Lord, that they would know that they're loved. Lord, that they have a church family that they can come to where they're accepted, where people love them and want to encourage them to be the best they can be and to know who you are and to walk out their destiny. And God, I just pray right now, Lord, that there would be that increased hunger for the things of the Spirit and things of you that would transform us from the inside out. So Lord, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.